0: Many of you know that um, I was part of a mission team uh, to Rwanda a couple weeks ago. Uh, It was uh, such a great blessing, and I am so thankful. Our team is so thankful to all those who um, prayed for us and and were thinking of us and and really just were crying out to the Lord for us. I I think because of your prayers, it was such a great and wonderful trip. Um, During my time there, I learned three things. And I'd like to share those three things with you. Um, First is that Rwanda uh, is called the land of a thousand hills, right? When you're in a car, you realize why it's called the land of a thousand hills. It is a roller coaster everywhere you go, up and down. There there are no smooth roads. There are no kind of straight uh, uh, and just uh, kind of narrow uh, narrow roads there. It's, It's all up and down. Second is that Rwanda is clean. Uh, I'm, not even ta- I'm not just saying like clean. I'm saying it's extremely clean. Like You will not see any trash on the ground there. And what I learned is that they actually have a nationwide initiative uh, where people clean their neighborhoods, their homes, the places that they live every last Saturday of the month. And so what they say is that every last Saturday, people will come out and just start cleaning their streets and and just the places that they live. And lastly, I learned how much the missionaries in Rwanda sacrificed in order to spread the gospel. You know, I was listening to their stories. I had the privilege of being able to hear kind of their background and and what they've gone through and what led them to Rwanda. And um, it was interesting because there were two, it was a doctor couple, and they were commissioned by our church a long time ago. And they, one was a neurologist, the husband, and the wife was a pediatrician, or the wife is a pediatrician. And from the very beginning, they, on their hearts, they always wanted to do medical missions. Right? That was something that they always desired to do. And from the very beginning, they said, no, I'm not, we're not going to work in any other place. We're going to go on missions and just, and just spread the gospel through, through medicine. For them, they said they were originally thinking uh, of starting in South America, but due to some difficulties, due to some things that were happening, um, they weren't able to work out there. But as they were praying, they felt God drawing them closer to Africa and to Rwanda. Now for them, they were only able to gather uh, the funds and begin the hospital five years ago. For them, they took out loan after loan in order to cover the costs, and they said that at this moment, they are slowly trying to pay it back off. On top of that, for them in their hospital, every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, they treat patients who can't afford health insurance. Their hospital has become actually pretty famous for that. And so what they said is that there are patients who walk two, three, four hours just to come to their hospital to get treated on those days. I remember uh, riding in one of their cars, and, and I felt like, OK, these people, they're obviously missionaries, but they're doctors, right? So I was thinking, OK, they must be driving you know, something OK. I mean, it's, it can't be that bad. <laughs> but at the same time, I rode in their car, and uh, the car was really old. It was about to break down. It, it felt like that. I was kind of scared a little bit as we were driving along. And I remember the, the uh, missionary, they were telling me that as of right now, they understood that they couldn't fix it, but right now they just couldn't afford to fix it. And so they're just kind of waiting for things to settle down a little bit more. And for me, when I heard that, I was kind of amazed. Because here are two doctors who could have easily gotten a job in Korea if they wanted. They could have easily had their choice of of anywhere to go work. And yet, they have given up everything. They have given up their comfort. They have given up their money in order to be with people who, for them, they still cannot speak with. They're slowly learning the language, and yet for them, little by little, they're not even able to communicate fully with them. And yet, they have given up everything in order to be with them. For me, as I was hearing their story, it was pretty cool because they were speaking so matter-of-factly about what God had done in their lives. And I think when we think about it, we say, okay, if we have to move to a different country across the world to do missions, that would be something that we would have to spend a lot of time praying and thinking and fasting over. Right? We'd have to you know, make some decisions. we have to move a lot of different things and, and just really spend some time. But for them, what they said is that it wasn't that difficult of a choice. For them, even as they were talking about their financial difficulties that they were experiencing at the moment, it was interesting because they weren't anxious. They didn't seem worried. They were speaking as if it was just this small little hurdle that they just needed to walk over. And what I came to realize is that for these missionaries, for these doctors, their belief in the character and in the goodness of God was so strong that for them, every struggle and every difficulty was not that big of a deal. It wasn't because that difficulty was not serious, it was. It was that they believed God would do something great in their lives. They had this belief. It was so strong. They had this conviction that as long as they followed after the Lord, as long as they listened to Him, as long as they continued to go forward in belief that this is what God desired for them to do, that He would make a way for them. That it didn't matter how difficult the road seemed in front of them. It didn't matter how many wind, how many, how many, how much wind or how much waves or anything that was in front of them. They understood that God was stronger than those things. And so it was so interesting hearing them. Because for me, I would have been scared. I know that. I would have been worried in that moment. There may have been some regret that many of us would have felt if we were in their shoes. We could be earning so much more. We could be so comfortable. And yet for them, they gave up everything in order to be in Rwanda. And yet they're still struggling in that moment. And yet even in their struggle, they're confident that God is going to make a way for them. And they said that they're confident because they trusted in God's character. It was so interesting to hear that. So, for me, after hearing their story, I actually went back to my room. And I was reading the Bible, and I was just kind of reminding myself of God's goodness. I was reminding myself of, of God's character. And I realize that, man, in any situation that we go through, in any area that we have difficulty in, as long as we trust in the character of God, that we are following after him, that we have put him first in our lives, what is there to be worried about? That if we truly believe in what the Bible says, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that he is the one who calmed the winds and the waves, that he is the one who created the heavens and the earth with a single word, then what is there for us to be afraid about? What is there for us to be worried about? Financial difficulty, God can fix that in a moment. He is the God of the universe. He is the one who created money. And yet, if he didn't allow us, if he didn't allow those doctors to go through that financial difficulty, then the doctors believed that they wouldn't be where they are today. That's what they mentioned, too. That for them, it was their struggles that allowed them to grow into the people that they are at the moment. That for them, if they were comfortable in Korea, that if they were comfortable in their places, if they were doing just what they, were, what they wanted to do in those areas, that God would not use them as powerfully as they are today. And, you know, the thing is, it's strange for people to hear this. I think for, for us, even for Christians, I think, we hear this and we, we're, we're amazed by it. And there's a part of us that thinks, this, oh, man, I, it's strange. Too. How, how could, they, could they really give up all of that? And yet what we also know is that people who are outside the church, people who aren't Christians, they see Christians who, who do this and they're, and they're just so confused. Why would people spend so much time at church? Why would these people give so much of their resources to church? Why would these people do all of these things for God? But for us, you see, we understand why. For us, Christianity isn't just a set of rules that we are called to follow. It's not a set of protocols that we have to do in order to achieve something else. No, for us, Christianity is a relationship with God. For us, Christianity is the belief that, yes, God died for us, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he gave up everything for us. And because he died for our sins, because he rose again after three days, man, we are just so thankful, we are so grateful, and we trust in the Lord and all that he has done for us. And because we trust in him, because we believe in him, it is simply a response of our heart to give. It is a response of our heart to serve. It is a response of our heart to do these things. That's all. It's not because we are we have to do all of these different things. No, no, no. It's because we trust in the character of God. We love who he is, and therefore we are willing to serve, to commit, and to give to him. See, church, this, this is what the, the passage that we just read is going through. Because what we know is that right before this passage that we've read, Jesus asked the disciples a really important question. And the whole time that he has been teaching and preaching and guiding them, it has all been leading up to this one question. Because what we know is that Jesus, for the past however many years, he's been with the disciples, teaching them, guiding them, showing them miracles, doing all these different things, and finally it culminates to this one question where he asks them, who do you say I am? He's looking at the disciples, and he says, look, you have seen all of these different things in in my life. You have seen how I have risen the dead to life. You have seen how I've healed the sick. You have seen how I've brought sight to the blind. You have seen all of these different things. Now, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers him. He says, you are Christ, the Son of God. See, for Peter, he answered correctly. And he said, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe in your power. I believe in your might. I believe that you are God of this universe. And that's why, for, that's why for so many of us, or that's why for so many people outside the church, the gospel is just so difficult to believe because it's such a stark difference than what the world really says. For us, we have to believe in the gospel, and when we believe in the gospel, we are willing to give up everything for the Lord. When we believe in the gospel, we are able to serve, we are willing to give, we are able to do all these things. And yet the world says is that you need to think of your own needs first. The world says you have to think of yourself first, think of your wants and your desires, and do these things first, and then you can give on to others. And yet the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says, no, before you think of yourself, before you desire anything of yourself, If you are called my disciple, if you truly believe in who I am as your Lord and Savior, the first thing that you are called to do is to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow me. This was the first command that Jesus gives to Peter after Peter's Peter's proclamation that Jesus is God. And this is the command that Jesus gives each one of us as well that if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, that if he is really God, that if we have a relationship with him, then Jesus is telling us, before your own needs, before your own wants, before your own desires, you are called to put me first. God is first in our lives. So deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him see this is hard for them for many people to understand but i think for us we understand it to a good degree and i think the reason we understand it is because for many of us we understand the treasure that is waiting for us in heaven we understand that this world is only a breath that this world is only a short time in our lives but that for us eternity is waiting You know, the Bible talks about how there's a man who goes and he's in a field and he sees this field, but he sees that inside there's a treasure. And so he goes off and and he sells everything he owns in order to gain this one treasure. It's not something that he he has to contemplate about. It's not something he has to worry or be anxious about. No, he says, I'm going to give everything because I understand how precious this one treasure is. And in the same way, Jesus is saying in verse 25, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and yet loses himself? Look, he's saying, look, he understands that no one person could literally possess the whole world, and yet he's asking the question, what if you could? What if you could gain the whole world? What if you could gain all the desires of your heart? What if you could gain everything that you had ever hoped for? If you could gain all of that, and yet on the other side, you would lose eternal life, what would you choose? Jesus says that's not even a comparison. Your soul is infinitely more precious. You see, for these missionaries as well, they understood that. They believed that. And so when I spoke to them, it was amazing. And yet at the same time as I reflected on it, It was something that should be an of course statement. Of course, they were going to dedicate their lives. Of course, they were willing to give up their comforts. Of course, they were willing to give up all of these things because they put God first in their lives. They understood this verse, that if they were truly disciples of him, that they would be willing to deny themselves to take up their cross and follow him. So Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. You will no longer live for the things that you see. You will not live for your own glory, but you will put what God desires above your own. Are you willing to do that? For us as Christians, that's Jesus's question for us. Are we doing that today? Are we putting God's desires above our own? Because when you do that, you are following after what Jesus says. And in those ways, God will use you powerfully. It's why the Bible compares a Christian life to being in the military. When you enlist in the the military, they tell you when to rise. They tell you when to eat. They tell you what your goals will be. But soldiers are willing to do that. They're willing to follow the commands of their commanding officer because they know that it will lead them in the right direction. That even in that moment, they can't see everything, and yet they trust in their general to lead them well. What we understand is that Paul had the same exact mindset, and we read that all throughout the book of Philippians. you know that in the book of Philippians, that Paul is in prison? He is in jail, being ready to be executed. And so he writes this letter to the Philippian church. He's not writing them asking for favor. He's not, he's not writing them talking about how hurt he is. He's writing to them, consoling them because they're the ones who are afraid. And he says, look, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about me because even though I don't know exactly what God is going to do here, I trust in God's providence. I trust in God's power. I trust that God is going to do something great. That as long as I follow after the Lord, because I have put God's priorities above my own, because I've denied myself, I know that God has brought me here for a reason and that He will lead me in the direction I need to go. So He ends that letter. He says, To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Oh, if I live, that's awesome. God is going to use me. I believe that. I put God first in my life. But at the same time, if I die, that's all. That's good too. I'm going to be in heaven with my heavenly father. That's exactly where I need to be, where I want to be. So it's all good. And so he is consoling the church because he trusts in the character of God, and he understands that for Paul, for himself, he had denied himself, he has taken up his cross, and that he has been following him. And therefore, he understands that as he follows after Christ, that Christ will use him powerfully. You see, this is the paradox of the Bible. This is the thing that many people don't understand. They think that if they put their needs as secondary, that if they put someone else's above their own, that if they give up their time, their money, or their glory in exchange for God and his church, that they won't achieve as much or they won't be as great. But the Bible is so clear about this church that when you put God first in your own life, that when you die to your own desires, those are the times when God is going to use you for something great. That those are the times when God is going to shape you and mold you and put you in situations that you would never have expected. Those are moments that God will bring about in your life when you put him first. Luke 9.48, it says, He who is least among you is one who is great. Those aren't just empty words. Jesus is saying that for a reason. He's saying that you will be great and you will do great things for God so that he will ultimately get the glory. That when you put yourself least in the sight of people, in the sight of this world, that is when God will be most glorified. And when God is most glorified, he will use you powerfully. This is the idea, church, of Christian greatness. This is the paradox of Christian greatness. The more you deny yourself, the more you deny your desires, your wants, your hopes, your priorities, and you say, God, I want you to come first in my life. God, I want you to do what you want to do, regardless of my desires, regardless of my emotions, regardless of what I want. God, your will be done. Then God will use you in great ways so that he will be exalted. This is why for us, no matter what job you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're married, whether you're not, whether you're a student, whether you're you're working, whatever place that you are in, you are able to be used greatly for God. There's only one requirement. There's only one thing you have to do. It's right here in verse 23. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. When you do those things, God will use you in great ways. And yet, what we know is on the other side that when you do not die to yourself, when you desire the things of this world more than Him, that greatness will never truly come to you. Because God uses the least in order to shame the strong. You see, God uses the foolish in order to shame the wise. God will use the least in order to bring glory to himself. You see, Jesus says that we need to take up our cross and follow him. I know that for many of us, that doesn't make as much sense. We don't really understand that as well, but it makes sense when we understand the cross was used as an instrument of torture. The reason it was torture was not because of the nails in their hands or their feet. It wasn't because of the blood that was spilling out. The reason it was torture was because dying on the cross, it took hours, if not days. People would die from eventual suffocation because fluid would end up building up around the lungs. Scholars describe crucifixion as drowning slowly. And you see, Jesus, what he tells us to do is that we need to pick up our cross daily. That for us, we need to expect suffering. Suffering that we need to expect difficult times, that being a Christian doesn't always mean that things will be great for us. Yes, God is going to bless us. Yes, he gives us supernatural peace. Yes, these things are going to happen within our lives. And yet at the same time, what we have to understand is that the struggles and circumstances and situations that we are in should not surprise us. In the same way that criminals carrying the cross, knew that they were going to die, in the same way that criminals carrying the cross knew that things were going to get tough, we should also know that when we are called to carry the cross, that things are going to get difficult for us. Things will get hard, and yet the benefit is so much greater. For us as Christians, we understand that yes, the cost is high, but the cost is worth it. Because, yes, this world, it may seem enticing for some of us now, but in the eternal perspective, it is nothing. That, yes, there are some good things today, some good things that we can enjoy, and maybe we could try to put our glory first. But for us, in a few short years, we're going to pass away from this earth, and we're going to be standing in front of God and we're going to be with God forever. You see, our, our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is with God. And when we trust in God as our Father, when we trust that we are his son and his daughter, then there is nothing in this world that can touch us. There is nothing in this world that can break us. Yes, there is going to be difficult situations. Yes, there will be struggles in our lives. But it's going to be nothing compared to the glory that God is giving us. And that at the end of the day, he saved our lives so that death has no hold over us anymore. You know, it was said at the height of the Roman Empire a Roman citizen could walk across the face of the known world in complete freedom of any thief, robber, or soldier. He could walk across the earth unharmed, cloaked only in the words, civis Romanus, I am a Roman citizen. So great was the retribution of Rome that not even a finger would be laid upon him. The other thieves, the other soldiers, Anybody else would be scared to come across this person because of those words, civis Romanus. You see, those words meant that the person had the backing of the entire Roman government and the protection of the Roman army. My brothers and sisters, I want you to know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, and that when you say that he is your Lord and Savior, you are saying that Jesus Christ is the protector of your heart. He is the protector of your soul. That you don't have the backing and protection of the Roman army, you have the backing and protection of heaven and the ultimate God of the universe. That's who our protector is. And it means that, yes, you can go through struggle, but death cannot touch you. Hurt cannot affect you because God, Jesus, has taken away the pain and the death and the eternity of death by dying on the cross and rising again. And so for us, Shining Star Community Church, I pray and I hope that we would take these words and that we would hold them and we would trust in them. Because for us, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord, that if he is really our God and we trust in his character, then we can say with full confidence, yes, Lord, I deny myself. I will pick up my cross, and I will follow you. I pray and I hope that this will be your story as well. Amen? Yeah, let's pray.